lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket. But on a stand, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount, so there's, there's a whole lot going on in this passage, you know, context-wise. It takes up about three chapters of Matthew. Um, and I'm just picking this small section here to talk about. Um, who's the audience? Who's, who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to disciples. More specifically, he's talking to citizens of the kingdom, believers, who desire to be heirs of the kingdom in its fullness. Meaning, they believe, they, you know, they are, re- they are citizens of the kingdom, they have eternal life, but there's more. They want more. They want to be heirs of that kingdom. They want to reign with Christ. And so, he is talking to them about what they need to do. And this is throughout that first section of the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just picking this small little piece to talk about. He talks about salt. Now, in America, in 2020, we don't have the same appreciation for salt that they had then. We don't really think about salt in the context that they did. And it's, you know, that thing on the table, and if you eat too much of it, you die, right? That's what salt is to us. Or that's what they tell you, I mean. Um, Salt meant something very significant to that culture. Salt was, yes, it was a seasoning. It also preserved things. It also cleansed things. It also created thirst. Now, you all know that. Who goes to Mexican restaurants? Do you think they bring you free chips because they like you? (laughs) They bring you free chips because the more you eat, the more margaritas you buy. Can you say margarita in a Baptist church? I was in a Lutheran church last week. You can say margarita there. Um, well, anyways, that, that's why they, get, they do it. Not because they like you. But we don't, we don't have the same appreciation for salt as they did back then. So I'm going to talk to you about something else um, that maybe we understand a little bit more. Barbecue. Does anybody here not like barbecue? What? You need to get him checked out. (laughs) Something's not going on there. Barbecue's good. You can leave. (laughs) Some some people's kids, I tell you. James loves barbecue. I guess three out of four is not bad. Okay, we're going to talk about barbecue. I am a barbecue expert, not in making barbecue, but eating barbecue. I'm, I'm good at it. Um, now, before we get too far into the analogy of the sermon here, we've got to talk about barbecue because that can mean something different depending on where you're from, right? Yeah, it's not the same. For example, Memphis. Has anybody ever been to Memphis or in that area and had barbecue? Yes. Okay. Memphis. Pork. They like pork. That's a big thing. Ribs, pulled pork, doesn't matter. They eat pork. 
they usually cook their meat with a dry rub first. That includes garlic, paprika, spices. By the way, when I'm done with this, I don't know what they're having down there. It is going to be inadequate. <laughs> then it's going to be really inadequate. <laughs> You're going to leave here today going, what a jerk. That might help. So, um, you know, they have these big pits in Memphis and that Memphis barbecue style, and they, they cook their meat. And then they have a sauce. And the Memphis sauce is interesting because it's, um, you know, it's a tomato base, but it's not very thick. You know, some barbecue sauces are very thick and pasty, and Memphis, is, it's, it's all like a liquid, and you just pour it over it. Okay? So then you kind of go to North Carolina. Has anybody been out there? Again, very pork heavy. Um, and then they brush their meat. It's not a dry rub. I mean, they put some seasoning on it, but they don't just put a dry rub on it and smoke it. They brush it at the same time with some spices and vinegar and a mixture of things like that. Um, a lot of times they cook the entire pig. Has anybody seen There was this episode of Man vs. Food. You guys remember that show? That was a great show. And they would, like, take this whole pig, and they'd just throw it up in there. And they'd be in – I don't remember if it was – it was a college town, so I don't remember if it was Duke or North Carolina. Um, but you'd, you'd, like, sit in the restaurant, and you could hear it, and they'd throw the pig in there. And then, you know, like, 12 hours later, they'd just come in and scoop it out. And uh, that's pretty awesome. But, uh, that you know, they are famous for that. Um, their sauce is ketchup-based. And I bring that up because then you move to South Carolina, and there's not a lot of difference except one thing. Anybody know what it is? Sauce. It's mustard-based. Yeah. Their sauce isn't ketchup-based. It's mustard-based in South Carolina. I don't know what happened in that border war. <laughs> but they, they, their sauce, the base of their sauce is mustard, not ketchup. It's interesting. Um, Kansas City. We all like Kansas City, right? Because we're close. And so that's where we're at. In Kansas City, there is no meat that is off limits, right? They cook it all. And especially when we're getting into this time of year, um, you know, Lent is coming up. You can go to some barbecue places and get fish. Because Catholics deserve barbecue on Friday night too, right? So you can get, you can get fish. They cook it all. Chicken. Smoked chicken. Now, I'm of the opinion that chicken is only appropriate if you're getting, like, the platter that has everything on it. If you go to a restaurant and you order smoked chicken, you are not somebody that I want to sit with. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you're getting something, you're getting like pork and brisket, and okay, chicken is your third, fine. But by itself, no, you, that's bad. We were at, I was at a place um, in North Kansas City called Smoking Guns. It was when I worked for the university. They had to take me down to get fitted for a vest, and I had this other guy that was new, and then the lieutenant was there, and, and it's, of course, that building burnt down, so I don't know where that place is at now, but there's a barbecue place a few blocks down, and so we went and got measured, and he's like, okay, I'm buying lunch, and you know how when somebody's buying lunch, you know what you want, but you got to sit there and wait for them to order so you don't overdo it? <laughs> so they had a burn-in special, and I'm like, that's what I want. So I'm waiting, and that's what he ordered, so I'm like, so I ordered the same thing, and then the other guy goes, I'm going to have the chicken. And we just looked at him like, can you go to another table? 
is wrong with you? <laughs> no. That's okay. If you order chicken, Jesus still loves you. Uh, Kansas City Barbecue. It's all, um, the reason Kansas City has, is famous for all meat is because Kansas City was that meatpacking stockyard mecca. I mean, all of, everything kind of went through Kansas City for a long time, you know. Cattle drives would go into Kansas City. They, you know, trains would come out of Kansas City. Everything would come through Kansas City. That's why, you know, people from Omaha talk about Omaha steaks. There's actually a cut called the KC Strip, okay? I mean, Kansas City is famous for meat of all kinds, and so that's how Kansas City Barbecue got, got that. Uh, again, the sauce is commonly very thick, sweet molasses-based. You know, one signature, they're famous for all meats, but, you know, burnt ends are big in Kansas City. Now, if you go to Kansas City, there's a lot of places to eat barbecue, and I've been to a lot of them. Maybe all of them. I don't know. Probably not. Some of the ones that are really good, you may not want to take the kids to. Like, if you're going to go to Arthur Bryant's and you've got a bunch of kids, you may want to go out to Legends. But if you don't and it's just, you know, you want to go, the best one's down in the, in the hood. And if you want to go to that one, I volunteer to ride along with you. I'll ride shotgun. <laughs> and I'll keep you safe for the price of a meal. <laughs> we can work that out. That's a good idea, right? You're going to have a fun time. Anyway. So uh, moving out of Kansas City, there's just one more kind of region we want to talk about. What is it? Texas, Texas. What's Texas famous for meat-wise? Beef, yeah, they beef. In Texas, they eat beef, right? Um, Central Texas, East Texas, kind of. There's only one kind of split there. In Central Texas, they have the sliced brisket, or you know, beef ribs. East Texas, they just shred everything, <laughs> and it's more of like pulled, pulled beef or shredded beef. Um, you know, you get the barbecue beef signatures. Um, again, the sauce is basically the same, but the meat is the main focus. In Texas, sides are exactly that. They're on the side. You don't go to a place in Texas because you like the potato salad, right? I mean, if you pick your barbecue place based on Although Zarda in Kansas City has really good beans. I don't know if you've been there. They've got good beans. But if you're picking your, your restaurant on the sides, you're not welcome in Texas. It's all about the meat. And that's just something you get on the side and you get over. Now, there is one more place I want to bring up that's in the south, just because I, I learned this and I've never had it. And in my research on barbecue, I learned about this. Alabama. Who's been to Alabama and who's had barbecue in Alabama? Have you? What's unique about their sauce? white. Their base is mayonnaise. I've never had that. I've got to try it. But the base of their sauce is a white barbecue sauce. Sign you know, their, like their signature sandwich would have just white sauce, and it's a barbecue sauce, but their base is mayonnaise. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, back to Jesus now. So we've talked about, we've talked about barbecue. As something that we can all be passionate about. We've all, we've all had it. 
So whether it's salt or barbecue, one of the things that we're talking about when Jesus is talking about you as the salt of the earth is the seasoning. Disciples are to make Christ attractive. Just like a seasoning. When you're preparing barbecue, one of the things that you have is a refrigerator, right? You can keep things cool when it's ready, you put it in, right? They didn't have that. So people, they use salt to preserve meat and make things last longer. Disciples should slow corruption and decay in the church. So you're not only called to be a seasoning, you're called to be to preserve. You're to preserve the life of the church. Are you adding to that or are you making it worse? Cleansing. Again, salt was used to cleanse. I got bit by my own dog not too long ago on accident. I got my hand in the middle of a altercation between him and the other dog and it happens and uh dustin carpenter said epsom salt soak it can't throw it up but soaked it in salt water salt was a cleansing agent we are to assist others in finding forgiveness and new life in christ as a salt, we are not only there to season, we are not only there to preserve, we are there to assist in the cleansing of others. We are to assist others in finding new life in Christ. And then again, salt or barbecue creates a thirst. We are there to create a thirst for disciples. Disciples should bring about a feeling of thirst for the gospel in the world. Are we encouraging other people to the point that they want more. When he talks about how shall its saltiness be restored, is it no longer good or for anything? It should be thrown out. When salt loses its flavor, it becomes loose, useless. A disciple must make sure their lives do not become useless by failing to act as that salt, by failing to act as that thing that brings people in that thing that helps cleanse people by failing to act by helping other people have a thirst for more if we fail to do that we have become useless and then he goes into the next section where he says a city on the hill you are a light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden when disciples reflect the light of Christ the city on a hill those lights can be seen for miles um, when I went to college I can remember um, going on my visit my senior year first, and I met this guy who would become my choir teacher and then father-in-law. It's a long story. Um, but I remember him pitching me the college at the time as, as a student, and he's like, yeah, we go every year, the choir goes on a tour, and um, we're going, he's like, we're getting ready to leave for Germany in uh, May, and we go to New York, we go to Philadelphia, Washington, we go to Colorado, we go to Texas, all these places. And he's, he's, he's in Australia, you know, he's, he's been to Australia in the past, he's named them all off. And I'm like, this sounds awesome. He goes, and we go on a tour every year. Great. So I get there in the fall, and I ask him, I said, where are we going this year? Keep in mind, you know, Germany, Australia, New York, 
Washington, all these things are going through my mind. And he looked me in the eye and said, Francis. (laughs) Great. Been there. The next year, though, we went to New York. And that was actually a fun trip because it wasn't just New York. We went to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and uh, New York. And so we were kind of on this tour. And I don't know, but somewhere around that time, prior to that, the first National Treasure movie came out. And we'd watched it on the bus. And if you remember that movie, you know, he starts out in Washington and they do, you know, and then he goes to Philadelphia. And so it was like we were on a National Treasure tour. It wasn't scheduled that way, but we went to all these places, um, Independence Hall and uh, saw the Liberty Bell and all this stuff, you know, just kind of like he did in that movie. So that's kind of how it worked out. By the way, since you're already hungry, the best sandwich I've ever had was a Philly cheesesteak in Philadelphia in a truck. No, it was a truck on on the street. (laughs) And it was amazing. So since you're already hungry. But that first year we went, we went there, and I got to go up in the Empire State Building. Now, it was in the morning, and it was kind of a cloudy day. It wasn't bad. I could see the city, you know, from up there, but I couldn't see well beyond. I mean, I could see for a long ways, and it was really cool, and it was kind of cool to see the, the culture that lives on top of those buildings. You know, there's all kinds of stuff up there that I, you know, I never even imagined, and pools, and of course, this was January, so there wasn't a lot of swimming going on or anything, but I mean, I could just see that there was life on top of these buildings that was kind of fun. But then a few years later, we went back. Um, uh, McKayla's dad was, uh, we were in Carnegie Hall. He was conducting a concert at Carnegie Hall, and part of our package for that was tickets to the Empire State Building. And I'm not going to lie, I was kind of like, well, I've been there. But for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't remember how it came about, but at like 9.30, we decided, in our sitting at 9.30 at night, sitting in our hotel, we're like, let's go to the Empire State Building. So we did. And it was a clear night on top of the Empire State Building for miles. I mean, you could see life forever at least. It was just... I mean, I don't even, of course, see, I, don't, I don't know what, even know what I was looking at. I don't know. Some of it was New Jersey. Some of it was Connecticut. I don't even know everything that I was looking at from there. But you could see lights forever. That is the light that he's talking about. When he says a city on a hill will be seen for miles. That is the light that we are to be. A light represents our good works that disciples should let their light shine by living their life in a way that they give glory to the Father in heaven. Seeing your light shine for miles. That's, that's the idea. He's saying that your light should be seen by others. Now, that could look a couple different ways, and sometimes I think we, we confuse Jesus. Jesus kind of gives two models on how to treat people. And um, sometimes we confuse them. There's how Jesus treats the unbelieving person. And then there's how Jesus treats, like the Pharisees, the other religious people like him. How does he, how does he call out some of those people, and, and, and how does he deal with that? 
it's important that we don't confuse how he treated a Pharisee with how he treated the woman caught in adultery. When the other religious people were trying to stone her, and he said, whichever one of you has no sin, throw the first stone. It gets better. Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough of this. we got to go. <laughs> it's important that we don't confuse that model. That when there's religious in, injustice or something going on in, in the church, that we call them out. But when there's a, wom- a person, a woman like that, caught in adultery that's trapped in sin and needs help, that we're not throwing stones. We're getting that what Jesus asked us to do correctly. We're getting that model correctly. You know, we have the woman at the well. She was shocked because of who she was and where she was from that Jesus was even speaking to her. But that model was to love one another, no matter where they're from. Even if they're from Rockport. Even if they're from Parkdale. I said I just said Parkdale last week at the Lutheran Church, and they all went <laughs> Doesn't matter. We are to love one another, no matter where they're from. So as we look at this passage, just are you as a disciple? Ask yourself this question: Are you helping make Christ more attractive? Are you that seasoning? Are you that? dry rub? Are you that thought? Are you as a disciple helping keep the church from decaying and corrupting? Are you that preservative? Are you helping preserve what's happening here? Are you as a disciple assisting others in finding forgiveness and new life in Christ? Are you that cleansing, helping with the cleansing process? Are you as a disciple helping bring about a feeling of thirst for the gospel in this world? Are you as a disciple being a light that's shining for others to see from miles away? Kind of a checklist there of saying, am I doing that? Am I, where are my, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Where should I improve? Maybe it's being the light. Maybe it's helping with decay. Oftentimes, that's a big one. We see problems. I always think of, um, anybody watch Big Bang Theory? TV show? I don't remember. I've never sat down and watched it, like, one episode after the other as far, but I, when it's on, sometimes I'll turn it on and see it. So, I mean, I, I don't know the order of things, so I'll turn it on and be like, so wait, are they together now? I don't, I don't know where that's going on there, but there was one episode, it was Halloween, and they dressed up like the Justice League. And they even got Penny to do it. So, you know, you have Batman, Superman, the Flash, these superheroes, Penny's Wonder Woman, and they're walking down the street and somebody's breaking into a car. And what do these superheroes do? They back away and they take off. How often do we see decay or things going on in the church and we just kind of away and, and let it happen. Don't want to get involved or that's somebody else's problem or, or sometimes we 
we aid in that decay by doing nothing. Maybe your maybe maybe your problem is the light. You're just kind of covering it up, and you're not shining that light that can be seen for miles. Whatever it is, I think there's always an area or more. You know, we all have a couple areas in here that we do really well. There's always things that we don't we don't do well. This is that, that opportunity for us to look at that and go, hmm, what should I do better? What can I do better? What do I need to do better? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this time to worship together. God, as we look at, at this passage and look at our own lives, God, help us to be that salt. Help us to be that salt that you want us to be that can not only season and, and make your work more attractive, God, but that can preserve the life of your church, preserve the life of your people, that can cleanse, help people cleanse their own lives and change their own lives and help it attract others, God, that others can want to come, that have a thirst for more because of the light that we are shining. God, as we continue to grow and as we continue to, to seek you, we all have shortcomings in these areas. We all have strengths. Help us to find somebody that has a strength and, and be encouraged by them and also help us to be a strength for somebody else that may have that shortcoming that, that they want to see us, God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. There's donuts around the corner, I hear. <laughs>